Hello, and welcome to 10 Very Big Books, a Malazan read-through podcast. This week, we're talking about the third season of Stranger Things, as monsters have descended into Hawkins, Indiana. Josh will be uh, the 11 of our particular podcast, and India will be the cop who is the dad. Hopper, the greatest character ever created? I'm Hopper? Okay, first off, if either of us is a Hopper, (laughs) it's your boy. Seriously. I've been working on the physique for years. <laughs> I feel more attuned to that redhead or Nancy. Barb, you mean? No, or is Nancy no. Nancy's Max. the older? Max, Max is the Mad cool Max. redhead. Max. Do you know what's tough about the day? You know, we there's a St. Patrick's Day episode we released. There's an episode on my birthday more recently. Anytime we talk about the date, it's just, you know, we've gone to the wind. There's always um, something. There's always something. Anyway. Well, we have a lot of chapters to talk about this week. So, um, in actuality, we're talking about book seven, The Fate, and that's how I will be saying it. I think it's a fet, but it's okay. But on the audiobook, they say fate sometimes. I don't know. I know that Bond fet is happy birthday. My name is Peter Bond. I've read each book in the main series. <laughs> However, my two co-hosts have not. With me today is my friend and close confidant, India Jones. What up? And under the mask of a black dragon is Joshua Dean Baker. <laughs> That's okay. We're starting strong. Alrighty, enough, uh, enough of this. Well, here we go. Chapter 20. It's Gedaron's Eve, a night of celebration in Darujistan. Morilio thinks of the night ahead and Ralik's impending duel with Turban Orr. Morilio heads to the Phoenix Inn, encountering Kruppa. Morilio suspects that the eel, Darugistan's secretive puppet master, is none other than Kruppa. After accusing him of this, Kruppa casts a spell on Morilio, and he forgets what he was doing. High Alchemist Baruch receives word that he will meet the eel at Lady Sintal's fate. The lady is to host the city's elite on this night of celebration. Anamanda Rake speaks with Baruch and plans to attend the fate with him. Uncle Mamet awakes from his journey in the Warrens, saying that the Jagat will be in the city in two days or so. Adjunct Lorne enters the city with other revelers. She thinks she is unnoticed, but the spy Circlebreaker spots her. Adjunct Lorne finds the bridge burners. Fiddler is leading a game of cards and welcomes the adjunct. Whiskey Jack emerges, informing Lorne what is happening in the city. Adjunct takes Whiskey Jack aside. They speak more about assassinating the leaders of the city. Whiskey Jack speaks of the Tisty Andy and explains what they have planned. The bridge burners will be hired as guards for the Lady Simtal's fate. Lorne approves of their plan and descends into the city on her own. Absalar struggles with her own memories, remembering parts of her life as Sari and part of her home on Itko Khan. In the shadows, Atisti Andy still follows Absalar and Crocus. The Jagat Tyrant, raced, awakes from his barrow. He reflects on this new time and remembers his past as a conqueror. On top of a hill, he sees dragons from Moonspawn coming to him. 
Solana Redwing leads the dragons as they descend down to battle the tyrant. Their battle tears up the land, magma spewing and wounding both. Raced continues to try and find his thinnest in Darugistan. Alrighty, Josh. Many moons ago, you had a called shot about the eel and Kruppa. How are you feeling now that the eel's identity has been revealed? I am downright preening. I am a beautiful peacock, just really feeling myself. I, I, I actually listened to myself make that prediction like a week ago and was like, hey, I think I might still be right. And then like this week, I was like, fuck yeah, nailed it. Good for you. Good kudos for you. Kudos to Josh on the kudos I, corner. I feel good. Thank now you. Does th now does this instill you with more respect for the magnanimous Kruppa? No, Kruppa's a fucking idiot. I hate what? Kruppa. Kru what? What? Kruppa? Also, you can, ugh, really quickly, was his accent fake the whole time? Yeah, it's like a put on. He's yeah. like a normal guy. Oh I, my I, god. Yeah. I mean, he's Kruppa. like, he's, he's a genius. Like, I get it. But... I mean, I didn't need the whole, I don't know. I don't you know, know. You know what's fun? Oh, Josh, you didn't know that he had an accent. No, I don't know what you're talking about with accent. Oh my God. Uh, in the in the book, I mean, oh, in the- Oh, Josh, the audio book is so good. It's, I would tell you to listen to the audio book just to hear him do the Kruppa You like, Kruppa, no, 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 no. It sounds like that. <laughs> Wait, is it that? Is it like that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's so oh, good. Oh, Kruppa, the lord of the Rujastan needs another pastry. <laughs> literally, literally. Oh, and that's like, so good. But then, like, oh. other times now in this chapter, he was like, just go where you need to go. Like, he was totally, like, dead <laughs> what? man. Oh, oh yeah. Classic Kruppa. Indy, any thoughts about the big Kruppa eel reveal? Um, it well, nah, eh, I guess, because, like, all this time, I feel like there's just been this whole buildup to find out if he was, like, just all talk or actually, like, a, a big player in this, and it turns out he might be one of the biggest players in this whole situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought that was, like, it was surprising, but, like, where Josh had, like, a thought, oh, maybe the eel was crumpled. Like, I never even thought that. I literally just thought that he was an idiot. So. <laughs> Good job, Erickson. Nailed it. Yeah, gotcha. He, yeah, he really, he played me for a fool. Uh. <laughs> Loved it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, this chapter this chapter just has less happening in it than the rest of them, you know. Yeah, I know, I know. It's kind of, it's kind of just set up for the rest. India, then we check in with Baruch and Animander Rake preparing to go to the fit. What did you think of Animander's Rake choice to go and Baruch so chill about the whole thing and then Mammoth awakening? Yeah. So, what is the issue with him going? It's not that an issue. I just think it's like I don't know. I mean, he's the Lord of Darkness. Yeah. He's the, the King of Moon, you know, Moonspawn. He said you know, that he a, was different. You know, he's just down to have a good time. He's, he's not, <laughs> he, he likes doesn't to want to be alone. He just, he wants, he wants to be out with the group. He wants to be with the boys. And he's, he's party. He's like a giant, right? He's like seven feet tall. Yeah, he's taller than your average bear. And then everybody there was just like, who is this tall guy? Yeah. Why is he wearing a black dragon mask? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, no, I question, well, hold on. Now, question of that. Why was that? In poor taste, like what? Why is the black dragon where we draw the line for like goofy masks for a party? Agree. Oh no, I don't think it's crossing the line. I just think it's funny. 
Okay. But weren't they all like, they were all just like a little bit scared even. I don't know. They all seemed a yeah, little off put by him. But um, I didn't really think there was anything particularly like, did he just want to go to see how the events were going to fall out and see where he could be? Yeah, I, I assumed he just like knew kind of trouble was a brewing and he ought to go to this party. Mm. My My next question is about that situation. <laughs> He so I need to understand a, a a comprehensive which we can do in a condensed version of like who wants to kill who he wants to kill Cro- well there's like a huge chart <laughs> yeah because like as I as I listen to this it's like Turb well this is more of the next chapter but like you know this person wants to kill this person so these this group of people come in to save this person and I, the Tisty Andy is he. A, oh, God, you know, it's just stressful. I feel stressed. I totally understand. And especially when all the chickens are coming home to roost Literally. in these final chapters. And then like... People come out of the woodwork saving somebody that you didn't even know that they knew. Yeah, it can definitely... Oh, I de- you can de- You can definitely lose track of like, well, well wait... Who was trying to kill Crocus? Right. And who was trying to kill the person who's trying to kill? Cro- you know, it's like right. a huge <laughs> chain of people trying to kill each other. Yeah. So mainly, that was my biggest issue with this whole end is like no. well, because all the pieces were coming together and I didn't remember all the pieces. And so when they came together, I was so I was like confused at some parts. And then it would, if you keep reading, it makes sense and or listening. Other times it didn't, and it just kept going. So yeah, yeah. that's what I have to say about that part. Josh, um, I guess we're kind of in a free space. How much did you uh, follow kind of the the different threads at the ending? I felt pretty good uh, with the exception of, and we I won't get too far into it, but the thing that saves the day. Mm, yeah, I, was, I imagine we were going to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, I out loud said, fuck off, Erickson. Because um, I was a little frustrated. Yeah. I would say that that, that situation was a little... Uh, it was like really, really anticipated, and then I was just like, "Okay, yeah, that was my yeah." yeah. I mean, oh, so true. All righty, mm. well, let's get back to chapter twenty. Um, Josh, in this chapter, uh, adjunct Lauren finally gets to the city, meets up with the bridge burners. They he- she hears about their plans, what they've been doing, and then she kind of goes off to do her own thing. What do you what do you think about her decision to kind of leave the bridge burners to do her thing uh, to do their own thing and she was going to do her own thing. So this was like uh infuriating I think is the word I'll use because okay. I was like how are you you've been really smart like most of this book and this was the dumbest most arrogant choice that she has made so far in my opinion. Mm. Um in that like what on what earth have they not been plotting against you, right? Like, if you're being yeah. sent to kill them because they are, like, people that explicitly are, like, fighting against the Empire from inside, why do you think that everyone... Bes- why do you think you're the smartest in the room, yeah. Lorne? Adjunct. Yeah, but maybe, maybe you know, to give her the benefit of the doubt, maybe she's thinking that, I mean, what is she going to do against this whole squad? Do you know what I mean? Plus, but we even wa- we, we even get a bit of an internal monologue though, like later, and she truly believes that like they're all just following the orders they were given and have fallen right into her hand. Yeah, well, you do got me on that one. So. Yeah. Wait, do so you mean to tell me that she planned on killing all of them? Yeah, that was her whole deal. Was she was? Yeah, that's like, why she sent them to Durujistan. Yeah, like so the why- idea was that they would get killed by the Jack Hut, but like she could also be in the area to like finish the job. Mm. But like. The Empress is really trying her darndest to kill the bridge burner. 
years. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Mm. Mm. I mean, that makes some sense that the hostility between uh, <laughs> the adjunct and uh, Whiskey Jack, I guess, and that mm-hmm. other guy. Who's that guy? The guy that they talk to. Dujek? Yeah, yeah Dujek. Yeah. That's later on, though. Um, so uh, we hear, uh, uh, before we get to the big Jagat dragon fight, uh, India, um, we see a little more of Absalar, and uh, this is just part of her more struggling with trying to understand the different parts of who who's inside of the souls inside her. I love her so much. She's so complicated, so relatable. <laughs> um, um, Jod, J- yeah. Anyway, yeah, so was this the part where she was like, yeah, sometimes I get sad, but then this big black thing in my body makes me feel okay again? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I think that was this part. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah, so I guess I kind of forgot the second person that was in there with her. Yeah, we, we which, talked, the the wax witch. Yes, the yeah. I still, even after finishing, don't understand why the wax witch is, like, protecting her. I mean, they get, we'll talk about it later, obviously, but, um... I I don't know her character it, it, she seems to just be kind of filling up the space right now I don't know if something more interesting is gonna happen with her because who Absalar yeah don't you don't you think she's just like Crocus is like okay wait here and she's like all right and then they're like uh, I don't remember anything uh, like that's all she's doing right now so she's not really making any power moves for me and thus I love her to death but uh I I, could... I do I, I do know what you mean it's funny it it sorry when she's possessed by cotillion is like a character you know she's like a pawn like a character of ultimate agency all she's doing is going around murking people it's amazing and then it's like a real change to go to absalar who's kind of broken so disoriented and broken that's a great word for it that it's definitely a real change in pace and how much action she's taken in the story but it's not even action as much as like i, I just eh, i maybe i'm not josh but i just can't tell where her story's going <laughs> she is the eel actually yeah like i no, don't I, know it's it's not just you like i yeah i agree that her like her character becomes a i don't know like less interesting like it should yeah. be more interesting because she's not so like oh i'm just a you know edgelord god gonna kill people but i don't really care that she's yeah. got a wax witch in her unless she's gonna do some badass shit later right but, exactly like, but like i don't have any promise that that's gonna come to fruition so I do know, like, she she becomes a more emotionally complex character, but at the cost of no longer being an assassin god person. Yeah, yes. and her emotions just aren't really reaching me. Like, I felt bad for a second, mm. but even then I recall, uh, as I listened to um, the other recording, that I called her a, a bitch, I want to say. Yes, a little yeah, bitch. You did, you, 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 both of you got a little worked up. Yeah, so... No, I, I stand by it. <laughs> I her. think I do, too. I mean... My girl, but again, I just feel like that was, I don't, I, I don't want to say filler, but like, uh, what else was it? Hmm. But there was somebody, the Tisti Andy people that were following them, her and Crocus. Yeah. Okay. Are they? L- l- let's get to them. Let's get to them. We, 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 one thing I thought, we got so much. We got uh, so much. We got too much. Josh, uh, before we get out of here, we, uh, we see raced awakened from his barrow barrow that's his name he has a name it's raced <laughs> and he, uh he he fights the dragons that are coming to take him down um what did you think in your first impressions of the tyrant who has a name um i don't know like number one i i don't think i needed to know his name yeah. you know what i mean like i think it might have been cooler if like he was so old he'd forgotten his name or some bullshit. 
but he's mm. just like, oh, look, it's raced, I guess. I don't know. It's me, raced. Yeah, yeah. Um, however, him fighting dragons is pretty badass. I still have some questions about what exactly soul taken means, because it comes up several times in this book, uh, and, like, the four black dragons are soul taken, whatever that is. Uh sure. But I do suit, I mean, there's a, I'm a big, you know, fantasy boy. So like a big red dragon leading four black dragons as a squad is pretty sick. Yeah. I'm what sad that two of, see, Silana. 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 Pretty bummed Silana. that two, uh, two of the black dragons defo died, which is a bummer. Yeah. Yeah, I was so died. pissed. Oh my God. It was sad. It was like the dogs all over again. Yeah. <laughs> um. Wait. Yes. So in this whole, in that whole section, it's like. His bones were crushed and there was nothing left. His his skin was ripped off. He had he was all ju- how at that point was he still walking and not a pile of ash? He barely was walking, right? Cuz then in the next part he kind of gets trapped in the Kruppa dream and that's when he like has to sh- like shift his body. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 cuz I was reading that they were like he had no he had no arms left, but He spewed music out of music. He spewed magic out of his eyeballs and killed the dragon and crushed the dragon's chest. I was like, why? Why? It was so sad. Yeah. I mean, the dragon, I I like the dragon battle. Um, I like a lot. I don't know. I like kind of some of Raced's monologue, uh, inner, inner monologue, when he's talking about like his life as a conqueror and how times have changed. And then later when he talks to Kroll, I think that stuff's interesting. But I do hear you, Josh, that, I don't know, to give him a name and be like, this is our new character, Raced. Yeah, <laughs> like, I don't, I didn't need it. It's, it's yeah, uh, it, it's, I don't know. It doesn't resonate as me as much as some other stuff in the finale. I didn't think about it that way, guys. Yeah. Alrighty, let's get, let's keep it moving. <clears throat> so let's say chapter 20 was like, Eh. <laughs> well, it's, I feel like it sets up a lot of the rest of it. You know what I mean? Okay, go ahead. Chapter 21. The adjunct Lorne plants the acorn in the garden of Lady Simtal's estate. Then she sets off to kill the coin bearer in what she feels like could be her last act. At the Phoenix Inn, Kruppa watches a storm grow outside the city limits. Crocus has gone missing, and his spell on Morilio won't last forever. He takes his mask and heads to the fate. Crocus and Absalar head towards the estate as well. The bridge burners take position at the rear of the party, and Quickbent is disturbed by the sorceries being unleashed nearby. Kalam once again sends a message to the Assassin's Guild, then, with Perrin, heads towards the estate. And Amanda Rake wears a black dragon mask and travels with High Alchemist Baruch to the estate of Lady Simtal. Baruch thinks the tyrant will be here within hours, not days. They arrive at the estate and are welcomed by Councilman Turban Orr. Morilio and Ralic, disguised at a party, wait for the time to confront the councilman. However, they see Kruppa, who speaks with Baruch and Anamanda Rake. Turban Orr awaits news of Cole's death, but is bumped into and challenged to a duel by Ralik Nah. Elsewhere, Marilio is distracting the Lady Simtal. The duel is beginning to take shape, and surprisingly, Anamanda Rake offers to stand at the side of Ralik Nah. The Bridgeburners notice the duel and identify Rake. Quickben warns of using magic, for it could lead to enslavement by the tyrant. 
the thief Crocus slips by the bridge burners. Crocus leaves Apsilar in the gardens of the estate as he goes off to find Chalice to Arl. Circle Breaker has received word from the eel about a ship leaving the city. His life as a spy is done. He is to retire and leaves the estate. The duel is about to begin, and Chalice's father, Councilman Darl, says he will not seek any vengeance if Turban Orr falls. Orr laughs and eggs Ralph on. The assassin quickly sinks his dagger into the councilman, ending in the duel in but a moment. High Alchemist introduces the witch Derudan, an ally of his in the cabal of mages that guide the city. Lady Simtal is finished with Marilio, but before she can leave, Ralic arrives. The assassin says that Cole is alive and Turban Orr is dead. As she begins to crumble, Marilio leaves a dagger, and they leave her be. Crocus finds Chalice Darl at a fountain. She awaits a man named Gorlas. Crocus panics and pulls her into the gardens. Alrighty, India. Hit me with it. A lot of stuff happens. We're, we're at the fate. The, the duel occurs, all this stuff. But it all begins with Adjunct Lorne planting an acorn in the garden. Oh, that damn acorn. Little did she know, or did she know? I don't know. I don't think she knows, to be honest. I think she's just, like, trying to hide it. Do you think she knows? I, I don't, well, I mean, I don't know, because it's like, what? Why there? Why would she be like, oh, yeah, right next to this huge-ass party. Let me plant this life force in it. Like, I, I just... But there's, like, a garden nearby. It's, like, in a, I don't know, like, a big forest. She walked, I don't know. She walked through the woods. There was anywhere. <laughs> she could have went was, anywhere. She was hiding it. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I wonder. I mean, I don't... How could she have known? I don't think she could have, but it just... It, it's a convenient location, is all I have to say. Well, that's true. That's there. It's uh, it is a convenient location. Josh, we ev- everyone at the beginning of this chapter: Perrin, Kalam, the Bridge Burners, Anamander, Baruch, uh, Marilia. They all they all in one way or another end up at the estate. Um, did you uh, uh, any anything to say about everyone's kind of mass convergence at the party? Yeah, I think just from like. The, the the standpoint of like writing things it like this was the chapter where i was like oh, okay I, I guess this author's okay he's pretty all right because <laughs> i was like because I, I i i remember at one point like when like the last of them got there i like had to take a moment and be like where i know where we started and i know where we are currently but like the the, the paths that we took in this book to get there to get everyone to this one spot was like is like truly impressive yeah um and it was very cool to just have like i like that like uh we we hit the point where it's like no we're going to jump point of views like all the time because there's too many people to not hear what they're thinking and it was really interesting yeah oh was it was well, it interesting uh maybe when you're reading it it's uh not as awful Confusing, to figure yeah awful. not as awful to figure out who's talking i literally that was so bad but good i guess something i like about it, the party is i know we've talked about before i think it's nice it, i think it's funny when like characters because when you're reading a point of view or listening to it or something you're like so engrossed in it and then when they bump into another narrator of the story you're like whoa what's going on <laughs> um so at the party when it's like Crocus walks by the bridge burners or like, you know, Anamander Rake is next to Ralik Nam, you know, it's like these worlds colliding in the, in a way. And you're like, oh, the, you know, it's I don't know. It, it, it It's exciting for me. I do like when they do that, um, like something like when things are going on simultaneously at the same time. So you're hearing all the different 
point of views while it's going on. Yeah. I first, yeah, yeah. All righty. Uh, India, the centerpiece of this party is this: the duel breaks out with Turban Orr to regain Cole's estate and his fortune. We see Ralik Nam kind of have it. A whole whole stunt occurs. Um, he throws any thoughts wine about- on him. So disrespectful. Yeah, that's shady. Any thoughts about the duel? Yeah, okay. So does Turban or Turban or Tur Tur I don't remember what his fucking yes, name yes. is. Does he like duel, you know, like is that a thing that he does or is he just like flexing for the group? Because um, he went down pretty quick. They kind of speak about it later that like he has some magic that he usually uses, but like Ralik's Odataral dust mm-hmm. kind of negates some of it. However, Ew. I am I also kind of assume he's like a way shittier fighter than he actually lets on because that makes a lot of sense to me. So he also didn't realize that he was going to be fighting an assassin. I would assume. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. It, I think that it, was a, a yeah. He just I think it's like like, a a storm of things. Yeah, because my God, I mean, it wasn't even fair. I mean, I'm no Turban or fan, but God, (laughs) he was like, oh, you guys like, oh, we're going to have a fight. You all want to watch. Let's go outside. It'll be great. I'm going to kick his ass. And they spend so much time building it. They're like, who's going to be the second? Let's have out there. Is there going to be vengeance after the fight? Well, no, and, and not even not even just build up in this, but like there's scenes with Marillo when Rollick's hurt where he's like, he like literally says like, I can't fight Turban or he'll literally kill me. Like, yeah, yeah. So like even the characters think that he's like pretty big and badass. Yeah. And yeah, just another one of the kind of anticlimactic it really meant nothing deaths yeah like def, def, definitely his death is a unceremonious one yeah josh any big duel thoughts no i mean i mean i would think not really it was over so fast dude yeah i, mean, I actually know you know here's what i will say I loved the in-world buildup of, like, between Turban Orr and the Da'ara person. That mm-hmm. just, that, like, literally came to nothing because Oops. Turban Orr died. Shalice's yeah. dad, who's, like, who in that one moment, Turban's like, my greatest enemy shall now have to be my second. And the dad's like, let it be known, if this fool dies, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, ooh, is that going to be? No, he, oh, damn, he died. Okay. <laughs> He died hard. No, nothing came of this. Yep. Um, Wait, no, Indi- Peter, I have a question. Sure, shoot. And Amanda Rake, when he's like, I'm going to be the second, let's not do all this conversation about who's going to be the second. Yeah, it, it'll be me. No, everyone yeah, yeah, yeah. else, calm down. <laughs> why? Just why? Um, I think, it, from what I understand, he just thinks Turban Orr's an asshole. That's basically the gist of it. Yeah, okay. that's what it sounded like. So there was no, like, vendetta going on there. He was just like, no, you're just a dick. So. No, I think Turbinor even like threw some flippant insult him at the party, and Anna made a rake. Uh, heeds no fools. He's you know? a patient man, but only to a point, as he mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, India, I, I know you mentioned you want to talk about the Lady Simtal and uh, kind of her uh, desperation after she is seduced and distracted by Marilio. As I texted, listening to that old man speak like a young woman was the most cringy thing like when he would like giggle and like do like a sultry voice i was like crying at my wait desk. who is this the guy that the audiobook the audiobook the guy that reads it is a oh he, he sick just, oh sick it's like oh my god it was so wrong but anyway that scene was like it was like creepy steamy but not at all i don't know so the audiobook thing is really what you're thinking about yeah um no but so that was that was so it was planned though that he was going to go in there and and do that, right? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. So then he does 
They do. They do. And then after they do the darn thing. Is she did she know who he was? She kept calling him like a widower. Yeah, he well, like he's like a gadabout seducer of noble women. Yes. So like, me, me, huh? What? Yeah, yeah, that's his like thing. He's like a courtesan. Ah, yeah. makes sense. Makes sense. Okay, fine. Uh, I felt bad though, kind of like when she found out that um, Turbinor died, and then he was like, "Yeah, you really have no defenses now. You should probably just kill yourself." Yeah, well, that's a that's yeah. I, uh, I that's, yeah. that's a brutal uh, statement to somebody. That was yeah. pretty sure. fucked up. Like he said it without saying it, and I was just here's like, the, "Here's Jesus. the dagger, see ya." Yeah, but he felt bad. I know he felt bad. He said yeah. he felt bad. I think. I don't, I don't know. Murillo. Murillo. Josh, anything to say about the lady Simtal? No, fuck that bitch. Like, <laughs> didn't you feel all right, bad? all right, all, all right then. No, I um, mean, uh, I'll I, say, do- I, I guess I'll say this: like, for someone who has been in three scenes, I was like, man, I really do hate her. Yeah. Which I think goes to say show just how much I love my boy Cole. You know, Cole, your guy, my guy. My guy. Cole's a good um, guy. He's he's definitely he's a good guy. But come on, man. Damn, what a damn. way to go. What a way to go, Josh. Uh, at the very end, we see Crocus. Panic and pull Chalice into the gardens. Guys, her name um, is Chalice. So I've been building this theory um, <laughs> over this entire book. And that theory is that Crocus is the dumbest piece of shit in this whole book. <laughs> and listen, I get it. He's like max 15. I do get it. But the just, just the sequence of events at the end of this chapter are just so mind-numbingly stupid that i can no i can no longer sympathize with crocus josh i fully agree and in fact i was thinking about it today and you know so often in the book and in other books of the series it's like oh the character is kind of seems like they know what's going on but then it's revealed no they were smarter than you they have a master plan they're in on it and they're actually a magical genius crocus at every turn it's like does he know what's going on no he's a complete idiot and makes the wrong decision every time yes. he's a fool yes it, 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 it is astounding you guys are being a little harsh he's just <laughs> trying to get by the best he can he thought he cannot take a hint how many times yeah that's the issue woman? that's the issue is that like listen you get like one one instance of like, ooh, there was a hit last time and I didn't catch it. Now I got you. But he's on like strike number four. Yeah. What if what if I ask her out again? Yeah. Yeah. Just the way of like kidnapping her, kind yeah, of. That's that's the choice that really broke. That was the straw that, <laughs> that broke was... the camel's back for me. I like it. the chapter ends with like what now or something, and it's it's like fuck fucking goddamn it. <laughs> oh my god. Alrighty, let, let's keep moving so we can talk about their conversation later on. Man, this is the longest one. Fucking hell. Because it's all just filler. It's just so much fucking adjectives. You could cut half the book with adjectives. Chapter 22. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, is he really going into it without no break? Wow. India, there are a fair amount of adverbs, too. (laughs) Yeah, it's fair. True statement. Chapter 22. Two dragons still loom over Raced and approaches the wounded Solana to deliver the killing blow. However, his wounded body leads him into a dreamscape. Awaiting him is none other than the magnanimous Kruppa. Kruppa has tricked him into entering his dream. Here, Ono's Tulan strikes him down as the tyrant's body withers. The elder god Kroll speaks of how times have changed. 
Raced, however, seeks to find a new body to dominate. Kalam and Perrin almost find the bridge burners, but first encounter Apsilar in the estate's gardens. Apsilar is examining a strange stone block growing in the garden. Apsilar calls Kalam old friend, then recalls killing Perrin. Perrin becomes enraged, but calms down, noticing she has few memories at all. The three of them meet up with the bridge burners, and the healer Mallet tries to help Apsilar. Ralic, Marilio, and Kruppa leave the estate. Kruppa is more serious than usual, his facade gone. Ralic encounters Vorkan, the leader of the city's assassins. He follows her. Crocus confronts Chalice about giving up. Chalice says she didn't, that a woman killed those guards. However, she still doesn't care about Crocus at all. Crocus asks her to wait a few years, and then he'll introduce himself proper, but eventually relents, heading off to find Absalar. Mallet is trying to heal Absalar, but it is a challenge. She's no longer possessed, but another soul is inside of her, shielding some of the girl from Cotillion. Mallet cannot tell whether this good deed was done selfishly or selflessly. They agree, however, that Mallet should at least help the entity and try and heal Absalar. Crocus watches as Vorkan and Ralik approach the Malazans. Kalam offers the Empress's contract on the city's mages, riches and the title of High Fist. Vorkan accepts. She is a high mage and will do the killings herself. Vorkan heads off, but not before commanding Ralik to await her return at this new growing wooden form. Crocus emerges asking Ralik why he would allow Darugistan's mages to be killed. Ralik says Crocus needs to go warn the mages before Vorkan can get there. Elsewhere, Crone finds Solana and the other dragons. Baruch and Anamanda Rake are leaving the estate. The Knight of Darkness steps into the streets, unsheathing Dragnipur. The sounds of chains and torment clear the streets to save lives from the impending battle. Flashes of sorcery and magic erupt from the terrace of the estate, and the bridge burners head up to investigate. An energy strikes Uncle Mammoth, his jagged mask falling to the ground. The old man is possessed by race. A battle of sorcery erupts between Raced, Quickben, and the witch Derudan. Perrin vanishes when struck by magic. A pillar falls, crushing Whiskey Jack's leg. Perrin awakes in the Azath house. He sees a vision of Race fighting Onos Dulan. The Finnis has warped into a creature that attacks him. He defends with his sword, Chance. The creature nearly overwhelms him, but Onos Dulan saves him. The Azath house has grown large enough to imprison the tyrant. As Perrin returns to his body, he wakes in the sorcery-scarred terrace. Quickben unleashes seven warrens to banish the tyrant, but it's almost not enough. An explosive crossbow bolt launched by Mallet steals the final blow. Mammoth's body is left at the bottom of a crater, while roots drag Race's soul into the Azath before it can find another host. The bridge burners listen to Darodan speak of the Azath houses. Then they leave the estate to detonate the charges. However, Kalam remembers the explosives were placed atop crucial junctions of the city's natural gas.
Alrighty, Josh, before we see Raced come into the city and the battle on the terrace and everything that happens in the grove, we see Raced enter Kruppa's dreams and be cut down by Onos Tulan and then speak with the Elder God Krull. What, what did you think of this little sequence and the last of Raced being in his Jagut form? The, uh, I really like this because if um, there have been a few like loose ends throughout this book that I've been kind of curious what they're going to amount to. Krull is like one of the biggest ones, so I've been like wondering what his purpose was. Yeah, as well as like you know Krupa's dreams. I had I assumed that like at some point they would actually be used in a more active way so it was very interesting to see that like he was able to get the tyrant in i did and and get onos talan in which i was worried i i'm now even more confused because i really thought oh krupa's dreams are some type of warren right or something like that but if onos talan's in there can it be a warren because we know that like he fucks with warrens when he's around them so i now have a billion more questions about a lot of things and uh kroll mentions like this one is called sword of the empire and like implies that like onos talon you know it might actually be like one of the strongest fighters ever which is pretty cool so i really liked it um i was getting pissed because i was like i swear to god if kruppa saves the day with this plan (laughs) that like we've been hinted at but haven't actually seen what's gonna happen and if this is what say and then he's just like ha, 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 i've escaped this meat space into another and he's like in a yeah. new body i was like all right that's some bullshit but that's better bullshit than kruppa saving the day yeah yeah so that's where i'm at i too like that kruppa's dreams has this payoff and it's used in this uh, used in a kind of plot way outside of its strange metaphorical u- use earlier in the section yes and I also like speak when Kroll speaks, and he has this line when he's speaking with uh, Raced that I enjoy, and I'm going to share it now. In this time, it is... Here we go. <clears throat> you are a fool, Raced. In this age, even a mortal can kill you. The tide of enslavement has reversed itself. It is now we gods who are the slaves, and the mortals are masters, though they know it not. And Josh... We're going to learn a lot more about Kroll, and uh, he's he, the maker of paths. And, uh, you know, it's just interesting to hear that kind of despondence and to hear about, you know, an elder god speaking about his time in the world changing and, like, feeling like he doesn't have a place in it anymore, so to speak. Yeah, it was, um, I don't know. I, I actually think I, something that I found really interesting throughout this series is, like, how humanized the gods have been. Um, and I know we've mostly been dealing with ascendants who, as you've hinted at, maybe have some mortal origins of some sort. Uh, but Kroll's one of the elder ones, which I, I, you know, we don't know much about. And for him to be kind of coming to grips with like, like the thought of a god coming to grips with his purpose and his mortality is like buck wild. So it's very interesting. Yeah. India, anything to think, anything you think about Kroll or this, the, the Kruppa dream? Thing. Yeah, um, you know that whole sequence of the fighting and race, just all this, sh- all this stuff was happening. Um, like Th- that's true. Things yes. were exploding, limbs were breaking, dragons were everywhere, fire was everywhere. All this, and then out of nowhere, he's. I I didn't realize that it was a dream. Is really what I'm trying to get at. Every it it just seemed entirely plausible that three more people would randomly show up, and I didn't think that. I don't know. I didn't. I, I think that's part of the con, though, that it's like you think it's real, and then it's did like. Did you think? Oh, you're you were like supposed in to think race. it was real. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I didn't realize. I see. I because like if you guys knew, I was like, oh, maybe I just missed the I missed the mark. There. No, because like I think it's from race point of view. You know, it, so, yeah. Like, you're you're raced. You're doing the fighting, and then you're like, oh, wait a second. Yeah, yeah. This is you know. Okay. I'm not actually here. Uh, all right. Well, good because that's how I felt. Yeah. So I don't know. I, it, it, this whole that whole situation just seemed like okay. Like, I don't know. I didn't really get anything from it. I guess now you guys are coming, making all these comments about, oh, the gods, they work for the people and existential crisis when they're gods. And like, all right. I, I don't know why that was relevant to this. I guess it was just like to let it, it became it was pretty apparent from, I guess, the beginning that he I didn't think that he was going to win. So I guess when they in that part, they kind of just really solidify like you can't. We're gonna. You might as well come with us now because if you don't, um, yeah. it's just gonna be worse. And he really, he was like, "No, you guys are wrong. I'm gonna crush it." And he didn't. So. And he did not. Should have listened. He should have listened. They gave him a. They in, gave him an out. In the estate, India, we see uh, Absalar waiting by this new strange building that's growing, and she bumps into Kalam and Perrin, and uh, she kind of struggles with her memories with both of them. Yeah, that was close. I thought it was lights out for her in that moment because they both see well, Kalam, Kalam. Yeah. He seemed he didn't seem like necessarily angry, but Perrin was like shaking with anger. I didn't think he was going to even give her a chance to like cuz in that moment I was like, okay, well she's not really doing shit anymore, so maybe this is just where we cut Absolar out. But this is her time. Yeah, I was like, okay, well, he's just going to go and fuck her up. But um no, it was it was I, it was good. I guess that they found her and were able to figure out what was because even in the prior chapters when she was still when she wasn't possessed anymore, but was still like I don't know, like things are weird still. So it was interesting to actually dive deeper and to find out actually what was going on with her because I didn't remember that there was an, an extra person in there with her. Yeah, let's talk about that now too because later on they meet up with Mallet and Mallet's trying to heal them and there's this you know the the wax witch is in her and they 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 can't tell it uh, like if she's doing it for herself like the wax witch or if um, yeah exactly she's actually wants to help Absalar which I don't get why she would because even in the um. When she when it first happened, when they killed the wax witch, like right before that, she she had said to her that she was gonna go inside her. I feel like right. She said that she was. She said something like, "We have a bond forever," right, or something like that. So I'm curious. Like I don't know if it's even. I don't know. I don't know what the shit goes on with her with Absalar anymore. Um, because she will t- like. I don't know if her story's over. I guess, but I I don't know why that woman would want to help her is my is my confusion um but i also don't know why she wouldn't so josh what do you think helping hurting i'm i don't know it part of me thinks there's got to be a selfish reason but i think they even say i think yeah like i think we've mentioned they even say that like for the in-universe people are like well we don't know why she would do this for a selfish reason like it would be way easier to do this other ways like she didn't need to protect absolute sorry or whatever her real name is i don't know I, i'm i'm very curious and have no other thoughts because it's very confusing. I agree. To me, what to me, what I really like about the question and the whole little debate they have is, you know, it's like a quasi debate about like why someone would do, would do a good act or like why someone would save a child. Do you know what I mean like it is 
are the per- is the person doing it for themselves or are they doing it purely to save the child i mean it's like but it's i don't know i don't know it, it, it yeah it's di- it's just different though because like what are the options she either takes over sorry and has a life or she doesn't and doesn't so i i mean in that way it's like okay yeah you could save her but also what is the rest of the, i don't know like you just what live in there for the rest of turn <laughs> until until sorry dies like i don't know absolutely hanging out by the kidney yeah it, it's just it's a weird situation. I don't even know if it's relevant. I can't even tell anymore. But, um, you know. You know. Whatever. <laughs> well, we'll talk more about it later on. India's friend? Is... My friend. Josh. <laughs> India's friend, Josh. Uh, Josh. Josh, 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 Gosh, my brain's, my brain's boiling over it's here. It's because there's 39 more chapters left. Josh, we finally see to pick up where we left off. Crocus and Chalice have their conversation, and then they go ways because, of course, they do. <laughs> you dumb thief! Um, anything to? Th- what do you think about their conversation and Crocus giving it the fourth time up at bat? He's a fucking idiot. Next, um, I have nothing. Any- I have nothing. I already said like he, he, he's an idiot. India, anything? No, there's <laughs> nothing. I got nothing for Crocus. I. I know he does a couple things later that kind of redeem him, but th- at this moment, I literally, I was like, it was like, fuck Crocus. That's all I could think when I read that section. Um, I was like, come on. I, I was like, leave this poor girl alone and go do literally anything else. I, I agree. Uh, it was, his tactics were creepy, but. Yes, that, uh, uh, do not pursue people in that manner. Don't I, throw I, them on the floor and counsel. cover their mouths. It's weird. Yeah. But my That's thing, a strong no. My question is, was she, okay, he's like, why would you say that I did that if I didn't? And she was like, I didn't say that. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I I said this, I literally predicted this an episode or two ago, yeah, like, she didn't say shit about the guards, it was, it's very clear that, like, but who someone, did? well, they, 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 they kind of explain it, and it's a little convoluted. Well, I, there's it, no wonder I, why I don't know it, that. I, th- I, yeah, I think, I think you, it, you're supposed to surmise that. Uh, someone found out that a guard was killed and knew that Crocus was there and used that to as a lie to convince Crocus that he was on the run. Therefore, he would be under the protection of Mies and other person. So you think they did that as a good thing? I hate this. I think so. I think th- I don't think the guards were ever alerted, and I think it was purely a lie made to get Crocus to like go to a safe place. This is the yes, stupidest it- book I've ever read. It was a it was a lie, and we learned that like the, the the they did find out that the woman killed it, killed the guard, but it's because they like hired yeah a witch or a whatever yeah. Okay, great, great to know. Another irrelevant plot. Loving it. India, we see uh, Ralik and uh, meet up with the leader of the assassins, Vorkan, and then take the contract to kill the city's mages. I do love a female leader. Uh, she's breaking that glass ceiling. She is literally shattering it. <laughs> um, so, yes. So she gets so, okay. We need to we need to rewind, pump the brakes, explain to India a situation. Sure. Okay. Kalam. Yeah. A bridge burner. Yes. Great. Off to a good start. X-Claw. X-Claw, which is like the, the spies. The Imperial assassins. Yes. Okay. Close enough end. Um, they, so he offers Vorkan to kill all the mages. Yes. And then get all this money. Yes. I thought that they want, I, I thought that the Empress wanted to kill the bridge burners. So why is he doing work for her? But see, He's, uh, you'll recall earlier no. that 
he was like, oh, well, we could, if we, like, we call the mages with Lacine's money, then Dujek can come down and take over uh, Darugistan and, like, hooray for us, and, you know? And, and, in ter- and uh, they, he also mentions in this episode, or episode, fuck yeah. me, I'm so tired. In this chapter, he, he, he reminds us that Lacine started off as an assassin and, like, will honor all assassins' contracts. Right. So, like, it only hurts They're- her because she's going to pay money for this to happen. Yeah, like, it's in their interest to have the mages killed, and basically they're just using Lacine's wallet, so to speak. Why do they want to kill the mages? Because they, so they want to take over the city, and any presence that currently controls the city is kind of at an odds with what they want to do. Why do they yeah. want to take over the city if they are not because working with Because the un- there is a threat we keep beginning mentioned that we know nothing about called the Panion Seer, and it's hinted that this force could kill everyone on the continent and they want to be away from the emperor and empire and have this continent kind of as their own but the Pandian seer is going to be- kill them all so they need a strong base and they want that base to be Darugistan, i think yeah josh is really crushing it over there they're like losing they're <sighs> losing their foothold in pale like, so they're like, like let's go like, conquer the other city Indian, that's they? all that's all some that's like from like three different paragraphs that i like read multiple times because i was like i think this is going to provide a lot of context for later and it did so that's true this is killing me okay okay great great i feel like i've read this chapter or i listened to these chapters and now i'm just listening to them all over again by talking to you guys yay it's a compliment i swear there's a compliment in there josh what do you think about Ralik and vorkan taking this uh well i suppose just vorkan takes the the assassination contract um well i do want to say has has Ralic they're they're in the garden, right? With the Ralic doing the thing. Yeah, yeah. He's like he's Sitting like on he's, the bush. Okay. That's the funniest thing in the world to, That might be that <laughs> may have been the funniest part of this book to me, is the image of like Ralic meeting his assassin queen and her being like, Great, now sit on this bush. <laughs> yeah, well, I go, go do kill the dirty everyone work. you love and he's like, Oh, I don't okay. Like that's just so <laughs> fucking dumb. <laughs> we got a big we got a big new job. I'll do it, you sit here. Cool. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. For, well, first off, Vorkan is so assassin queeny. I don't know. Just like it's just too much for me. After a certain it, point, it, it's it's hot. It's pretty high. Yeah, like give me like a Pauline or something. You know. <laughs> nice. Vorkan. Um. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. But I, I I don't know. It was interesting. Um. Very, I actually do super found it interesting that she is like the level of a high mage. I was like, that's yeah. that's some news because we only we don't know much about mage levels yet, except that there are people who can use magic, and then there are high mages, and they are on a completely other level. I don't know if we know the like you know power levels, if you want to use that, of like Baruch and now this witch. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's kind of unclear if they're high mage status or whatever yeah well it's definitely parsed out and some of it definitely has to do with how many warrens you can use and also how you would use them yeah because you know some people may be able to just access one warren in some way you know and then high mages might be able to do much more complicated things you know Mm -hmm. anyway we uh anyway india we see animander ray clear the streets by uh, shouting at some civilians and unsheathing his big scary sword. Yeah, they all were like, don't kill us, sir. He was like, please, sir, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Your, your, your sword's creaking like death. That's you, definitely a way to make yourself known, like for sure. It's, it's me, your friend Anamander. <laughs> <laughs> 
your neighborhood. I don't know. What is he again? Tistiandy. Tistiandy. Son of Darkness. Lord of Moon. So taken. Um, well, yeah. So that did happen. That did happen. <laughs> All right. Let's keep things moving. Or the energy's running low. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. Hard low. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. All right, Josh. Uh, let's just talk about the whole big, the big fight, you know, all in one. We see Mammut get possessed by Raced. We see the big sorcery erupts. We see Perrin go to the fin- uh, go to the Azath, come back, and then the fight's devolved even further. Quickman Quick unleashes the Seven Warrens, the explosive goes off, and then the, the Jaga Tyrant is slain. What did you think about the big blowout fight? I think that in some ways I'm glad it wasn't like a chapter long desperate battle because that's that's not really what this book has set out to be. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I I kind of thought it was really interesting that it was like it was it was fast. I mean it was super deadly. Like a bunch of innocents were just melted by this guy. Yeah. I thought, I, I don't know, it was interesting, I liked that they chose Mammoth, who was, like, wearing the Jaghut mask, and I was like, oh, we get it. And also, like, when he came back, I feel like, even and even later, some of the characters were like, yes, I had the feeling that he was tough. But it's like, yeah, that makes sense, like, you're not gonna be near, like, a power like that and not have, like, and not have it notice you or anything, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Now, now here's he what I would the, like to say. In, okay. Fuck you, Steven Erickson. What? Is, what is going this on? bullshit with these vines coming out and the magic people being like <gasps> the Azath and everyone reading's like, what the fuck is an Azath? You've never mentioned it once, and now it's just suddenly literally saving the day and murdering this thing. Like, what's up? Um No, yes. shut up. Next, Quick Ben has seven warrants? That was incredible. Seven? Like First off, I don't think we've seen anyone use two, but like, and that <laughs> alone tells me that most people like one and you're tapped out. But the fact that he put now granted he only used seven for like a hot second, but still that is absolutely bonkers. Now back to my previous point, what's up with Azath? I need answers. Azath, however, uh, I think it's said both ways. Uh, don't quote me. India, do you have any uh, thoughts? Are you as worked up into a furor about the Azath house? Uh, yeah, you know, I'm so worked up, I don't even know what it is, so. Yeah, me neither, yes. that's why I'm pissed. Let's hit it. Well, I have, uh, you know, it's it's tough. Because, Josh, I mostly think you're pretty you're pretty well situated in your anger, to be honest. I don't, I, the book is definitely, the book at this point is definitely not established, but they are at all. However, it's tough because I know much more about them. And, well, and, they and do. you, and dude, I mean, like, by the end of this book, I, I learned infinitely more. But just, like, in this chapter, it felt a little unfair for, like, yeah, the big bag to be destroyed I, by an absolutely unknown force. I think it, that's definitely founded, you know, I, I, I have... I'm in agreement uh, that it's less satisfying, but I do, I, I don't know. I do really like the fight on the terrace. I think that's really cool, but I do think it's really disorienting the first time because, you know, throughout the rest of the series, the Azath houses are like a continuously big deal, you know? Mm -hmm. So in my mind, it's very easy to retrospectively be like, well, of course it ends this way, you know? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're such a big part of the world, you know? So I, I do think you're, you know, 
I, I totally understand. India, do you have any big thoughts outside of the Azath house about the Jaga tyrant meeting his end and the fight and all this, uh, the seven warrens, all the junk? <clears throat> the fight was confusing. As you know, I was texting you and I didn't understand what was happening. But once it did, once once they finally said, oh, he's possessed, I was like, oh, possessed. I thought it was a woman doing <laughs> it. Yeah, I thought it was wild. I felt, I felt like uh, he just came in really hot and then ended just as quickly as he came. Yeah. Can we go into, though, a little, because, like, when he died, um, and, and Mamet also died, I I was like, that, that can't be it, right? Like, that wasn't, that wasn't it. He's just going to yeah. come back somewhere else, and he didn't. So maybe he died how? Like, quick, did, this was quick, Ben? With the Warrens. Yeah. So quick, quick Ben unleashed all his Warrens. And, and then, he, they like, just put different parts of him in, like, right? Like, did they, like. And, and then, like, a crossbow blew up and, like, uh, did the final hit. Uh, okay. So Quick Ben. Oh, yeah. Is, that's how they did. I forgot. Yeah. I, I, w- I couldn't understand it, honestly. Like, I read it and I, it was done and I had no idea what happened. But I do remember a crossbow and some mention of it. And, yeah. Josh, you're like, oh my God. Warrens, seven Warrens. I didn't realize that was that big of a deal until later on when somebody was like, "Oh my God, somebody has seven Warrens in the books." Um, yeah, it's wild. So why is that so? Like, oh my God. Well, most people have one. Why do like? Is it impressive? Oh, okay, India. Imagine you're at a mall. Yes. And you see, uh, and you see a parent, and they have one kid. And you're like, it's oh, a lot. And then you see another parent with seven, and they're all well behaved. Which, yeah. yeah, it all makes sense. Yeah, that's what I'm going with. It's like a sure. dog walking on its hind legs. You know, I think that is such a high note. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think uh, the we're we're gonna be able to go. St- oh wait, before we do, Josh, you uh, you actually. Interestingly, another almost called shot. You said they were going to blow up the city. Yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought, it, I, thought it would, I thought it would, ha- would happen in the city of blue flame, but it's. It looks like it could come to pass. Who knows? Yeah. At that point, when that happened, were you like, "Oh shit"? Is like, did you think you were going to be right? Oh uh, yeah, I I was like, here it is. This is how we everyone fucks up, and the whole city explodes. Yeah, yeah. I felt I felt pretty good about it. Um, but then who was? Right, huh? Not Josh. Kalam stops it, uh, and they don't blow up the city, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, but like you know, I kind of said they they weren't gonna, even though it was just. Oh, I I see. Oh, you were fishing for an I see. Show. I see. Kudos to, to India. Oh, they didn't in, blow India it up. India was right. India was. Well, right. actually, actually, I think India specifically guessed that it was gonna super look like it would blow up, and at the last possible second, they wouldn't. That actually is true. Uh, that is true. So. You know, Josh, I really appreciate you and your endless kudos corners for me. Um, I, guess, I guess Peter's kudos don't count. Peter's kudos don't count. Yes. And on that note. <laughs> Chapter 23. In the Warren of Shadows, Perrin scraps with the Hounds of Shadow. Cotillion takes the sword chance and they come to an agreement. Perrin returns to the estate, then heads to find the adjunct. Crocus thinks about Mamet as he runs through the streets. The adjunct Lauren spots him. Lauren plans to kill him and lets loose a demon into the city. Baruch and the witch Derudan speak of Mamet's death, glad that his soul was spared eternal torment in Dragonheart. They both sense a demon in the city, 
Anna Amanda Rake has climbed to Kroll's Belfry, and Solana returns wounded. The Red Dragon offers to help Rake, but he sends her to Moonspawn. Kroll speaks of being lost in this new time. Rake has sensed the demon as well and shapeshifts into a black dragon. Kalam catches the sappers before they can detonate the charges. However, they see the Lord of Ghislaine. The demon shapeshifts into a dragon. The adjunct Lorne moves to strike Crocus, but is stopped by a member of the Crimson Guard, who has been protecting Crocus on order of Caladan Brune and the Prince Kaz Devor. Crocus is escorted to Baruch's and told to get rid of Opan's coin when his luck changes. Lorne retreats from her skirmish with the Crimson Guard and encounters Mies and Arilta, who drive blades into her chest. Perrin finds the adjunct and hears her last words. He takes her Odoteral sword, and the Twins of Chance appear. Opan offers their help, but he tells them what he did with Chance and scares them off. Above the city, Anamanda Rake and the Galean Lord battle. India, we see uh, this is our last time in the book seeing Cotillion and the Hounds of Shadows. And uh, Perrin gives him a sword and then he scurries back to the real world. There's so much more than that, Peter. What do you mean? Okay, so when the Jack Tired thing happened, when he came and started fucking shit up, Perrin was thrown and then disappeared. I thought he Indeed. died. No. He was like, went through the Warren thing, right? They yes. pulled him in. Yes. And then, and then. Cotillion pulled him into the Hound of Shadow, uh, into the right. Warren of Shadow. So then the dog started attacking him. A dog. I thought he was a dog. Remember, that was a weird text. <laughs> and then, then they stop and they're like, "All right, we're gonna let you go, but we're taking the sword." Well, really, he gave them the sword. Um, and the yeah, he didn't want the sword. He was done. Yeah, and the whole time he's con- concerned about the dog's souls, obviously, as we all were. As we all. My thing is. Did they? Did, I don't know. Like what? Like why did they do that? What was the point? I was so confused. Josh, do you have? Do you know why? Can you clarify why what? Why they why? took him in there and why they fu- messed with him a little bit? You know, the dogs chewed him up and then put him down and was like, nah. Okay, so I think it has. I guess it has to do with like the choice he made by releasing those other two. But how um, did they know? I don't know that that i don't have any idea unless maybe they're just a little didn't he say he felt something inside of him like in that moment or something yeah i don't know like he felt like he felt like a a familial feeling i can't remember exactly they did say that it's gotta have it's gotta have something to do with that you're like he felt angry he was like pissed but then he felt a familiar something i thought parent was gonna die like super unceremoniously to a hound and i was like part of me was like that's fucked but a part of me was like that's sick yeah hell yeah you were ready for it. Yeah. And then, oh, wait, never mind. We're not yet. Keep going. So can we just maybe, if you if you can, explain that whole sequence of like, I'm going to eat you. JK, no, I'm not. But if you ever see a dog again, you better run. From what I understand, how exactly the timing worked out, I'm maybe less clear on. But I do know that when he touched the blood of the Hounds of Shadows on the Gadrobi Hills, Perrin kind of like quasi connects with them, right? And then... He uh, is pulled in, right? They're like the hound is upset that, like, oh, you killed all the other hounds, and then he's like, no, that was Anamanda Rake, and those hounds are 
you know, then it kind of explains what happened because uh, he thinks. But didn't he say he I'm not he specifically said I'm not going to explain what happened because that sounds like begging and I'm not doing that. Yes. Oh. Yeah. He says he doesn't so, he doesn't talk me, about the hell thing. Yeah. Which I thought was pretty oh. badass. I thought he, ex- I don't know, I'm just... You sleepy buddy, it's okay. It's I, right. g- I guess I mixed it up too, I don't know. So, it just, we'll just, you know, we'll consider it a loss and we'll just keep listen, it going. We'll, l- listen, we'll punt and someone else can clarify for us. Yes, there you go. So, uh, as always, someone will know better. <laughs> Josh, uh, we see uh, the adjunct Lorne let loose a demon into the city and then set, uh, set off to find Crocus, uh, start, set off to follow Crocus and kill him. Uh, what'd you think about the choice to let the demon go? Well, number one, like, the, I didn't know that there were lords of demons. So, like, they released that first demon, and Anamana, like, took him out quick, but he did, like, lose a couple of his people. And even he was like, oh no, a demon, they're not good. And then a demon lord, I was like, that's, like, some probably real messed up stuff, which we find out next chapter, it defo is. But, uh, I don't know. I, my thought was I didn't know Lauren and Tayshrin were so close because, like, she made, you know, it takes... They're, they're both in the inner circle of Lacine. Yes, yes. But I I, I saw Tayshrin as being wholly incompetent and kind of too power-hungry for their own good. So I, it surprised me that they would have trusted Lauren to give them, to give Lauren like, such an important thing that, like... Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but also fuck Lauren again because how dare you release a demon in this city? It's beautiful. I kind of... <laughs> I kind of like that, like, Lorne is, like, so depressed at this point, and, like, she's so given up hope that she's like, well, I'm probably going to die. Yeah. So this yeah, is going to be my last like, thing. Yeah, that's... I'm going to kill Crocus and go out on top. Yeah, you know? <laughs> that's she's made some choices in the last chapter. Yeah, it's it's interesting that she's so defeated. What do you think about the adjunct at this point, India? I, she really, I don't, but I just don't get why she's so upset. Like, nothing, what has she done that hasn't gone, like, according to how she wanted it to go. Like, I don't, I mean... Well, like, all the bridge burners are alive, and Crocus is alive, and... I mean, does she not have any idea? Like, I don't know. I just feel like they just, like, she couldn't just... She she killed, like, six people in one minute, like, an hour ago. Why now is she like, well, I've done all I can. Lights out for yeah. me. I, this is this is my this is my, my swan song. Well, she encounters the Jagged Tyrant, and I, I don't know. I, I just don't, don't get, I don't I get why she's so defeated. Like, I, I mean, I, I understand when I'm reading it that she's really not feeling herself, but, yeah. and the way she goes out, too, is just so, like, what? She needs to get her groove back, is really what I, it is. Yeah, and then she gets, like, she, she gets into the fight at this point. Uh, no, but we, we should talk about it now. Yeah, how she I want to hop into it. Uh, yeah, she, she, later on, she gets defeated by the Crimson Guard. Yeah. I just feel like that was so out of character for her to to lose like that and like pretty much that was pretty much what why she died. Uh, I I feel like because she wouldn't have Mies and Goose couldn't have done what they did if she wasn't already severely damaged. She, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they kind of deliver the killing blow. Yeah, I I want to jump in and say this is so I guess the Crimson Guard like. I have to assume that in later books, we're going to learn that they're super badasses, right? Because this is a super badass entrance. But, like, again, it's like we've hit the end of the book, and it, it 
to me it feels like it was like oh shit who's gonna kill Lauren like no one can right exactly I guess these two now, now granted it's implied that the or not implied I think we it's revealed that the one that keeps fighting Serat and like stopping Serat from killing Crocus has been the Crimson Guard and they're operating without the, the knowledge of Animander Rake which like I don't know it's just it feels a little late in the game for such a big you know like, even if it's only three or four people, like such a strong power. There's force such a force, though. Yeah, it's like it's wild. I don't know. And he's like a fully, it seems like mortal human being who just outclasses Lorne absolutely completely, which is surprising. So yeah, I think I I think some of her defeat does have to do with her kind of mental defeat before the fight. Yeah, I mean, I also but... believe that she really is super cocky and is like. Yeah, like she should have yeah, pulled sure. out. Like they're describing the fight, and to me, I was like, "Yo, Lauren needs to lead." Like the moment she takes like two slashes, she doesn't have backup. She needs to like try and get away. But yeah, I mean, I I, I am actually I think this is a little more disappointing to me than the Azath House thing because like there is a lot more writing on the Crimson Guard, and you do know a lot more about them. But th- uh, unlike the Azath thing, which in retrospect it feels like it makes a lot of sense, and I like understand its role and raced and maybe what it's trying to say metaphorically. Mm-hmm. But this, I do feel like, is kind of one of the more kind of like, let's keep things going. This is how it happened. Don't don't squint too hard at it type of part of the plot, you know. So so definitely I'm sympathetic to it. And it's one of the things I, uh, I don't know. It's not one, one of the reasons I would endorse the book. Okay, I, I feel better knowing that. Good, though. yeah, because I felt, yeah, because, okay, good. Because I too felt like it was a little, mm, eh. And they're there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, now let's move on to the next point. Okay. And this is a segment called, that's a dragon? Uh, <laughs> and my question is, so he's a demon lord and that's a dragon? <laughs> yes! <laughs> and also, Animander Rake is that's just like dragon. chilling with Kroll and that's a dragon? <laughs> like, what? I Where are all these dragons coming from? I agree. And if I could turn into a dragon, Peter, I would be a dragon every day. But what Peter. if what in, what if instead of flying you could kind of walk around on two legs and get tired? I'm not saying no, 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 no. Let me get it. Let me get it straight. I'm not being a dragon the whole time. But you know, every day I'm like, oh, let me just, and I'm a dragon for like 30 seconds. I do a sick flip, and then I'm back to being a human. It just a few corkscrews. Yeah. Does that mean though that that Solanus, Solanus. That's a, yo, I didn't even Can think about that. Can she be a person? That. I didn't even think about that. India, are the other dragons Are they all because people? Because the black dragons are called Soul Taken, and he calls himself and the demon lord Soul Taken. And they're black. They're all black. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. They're yes. all also humans? Or Tisti andy so, so Soul Taken means Can we know the you... arena? Are we allowed to know this yet? Yes, yes. And it's the thing is, it's another thing that's like talked about a ton throughout the okay, series. And okay. it's kind of just the first time it's talked about here at the finale. Cool. Soul Taken, it's funny, sometimes in later audiobooks, they pronounce it Solataken, but I will be saying it's Soul Taken. Um, <laughs> Soul Taken means you're a, it's just a fancy word for shapeshifter and means you're shapeshifting into one animal. Um, and in this case, everyone's shapeshifting into a dragon. So the four black dragons, Josh, are shapeshifters, so they have a tisty okay. Oh, okay. I didn't I knew I would I didn't guess that. That's sick. But so but Solana uh is is a red dragon. Just a she's red like, dragon. There's just she dragons. is an actual dragon. Okay, is that why she's red? Yes, it's a fancy color. Um this is okay, I this needs to be brought up because it wasn't brought up and I don't know why, and I'm so so sorry because it was from the first chapter, but I really, really need to say it and ask. Sure. When the Jagat Tyrant raced 
or whatever is coming out of the thing. He he stabs a princess that's also down there. Maybe not a princess. Um. Yeah, I'm not remembering no, a princess. It's someone. There's a lady in there too. In in the barrel. Yeah. What? You don't remember when he's like, oh. "I'm not gonna kill you, but I'm gonna make you bleed." Go, go to the beginning. Come on. We we totally skipped over that, and I was like, "Who's down there?" The, the something. You're really you're. Uh... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Race quested his senses around him and finds the sleeping goddess in the ground. Goddess. Burn, elder goddess, oh. lady of the earth, sleeping goddess. Blah, blah, blah. How did we Tans, just... Land, Cowden Brood carries hammer that wakes her. Oh, I got I don't, it. We don't need it. to know that it. yet. Okay. Race punches the ground, fissuring the ground. I, I got it. I got it. it. You really threw me off. Burn is uh, the sleeping goddess. She is the planet. Like, like Burn is like, the, is like if you say Mother Gaia. Oh. Do you know what I mean? No. It's Mother, like Mother Gaia. Earth. Like Mother Earth. It's like if you're like, Burn's another name for the planet. Like oh. an ancient Earth god. Do you know what I mean? So she's just chilling down there as well? Yeah, it's like, it'd be like if you're like, oh, you killed Mother Earth, you know? And like, she, he stabs Mother Earth and the and the planet erupts into magma. Do you know what I mean? Oh, good to know. Good to know. You really threw me off well, right Well, I, I, was I so read confused. it and it was such an important question that I had and then I totally forgot about it. Yeah, yeah. No, I understand. So... I want to change pace here real quick, Peter. So uh, one of the last things that you described in the your description of this uh, chapter is uh, when Perrin finds the adjunct. And a couple chapters ago, we were talking about Oteril swords, and you were like, oh, and Perrin has an Oteril sword. And we were, I was like, no, yeah, explicitly yeah, not. And at that time, part of me was like, oh, maybe Perrin gets one too. But if you had been like, oh, Perrin takes it off the, the lifeless corpse of adjunct Lauren, I would have not have guessed that. So sick. Love it. Um, After giving Josh, his sword to, to fucking Catalian and being like, do what you will with this bad luck. Yeah, take this sword. Josh, that's so funny that in retrospect, I'm like, ah, I see now why I made that mistake. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. So now you all know Perrin does have an Ostarl sword. So, uh, when you made that, when you said that, Peter, did you were you realizing in that moment like shit, 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 shit? Yeah. I... <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, it was an it was kind of an honest mistake that I, I just assumed that both of them had it at that point, and I forgot where he had that sword from. Mm. Um, are those twins? Are they children? Because why do they talk like children? I think that's just the inflection. He's the uh, Ralph Lister is. Doing. Yeah, I don't. I would say reading. It doesn't sound childish. It sounds um, they're like playful, you yeah, know. They're like, yeah, it sounds yeah, oh, but isn't that impish, playful? Like, immature. Impish, great word. Okay, immature. <laughs> they're immature. They're just like oh, oh, please no, we're scared. It's like annoying, but okay. Well, it's because they're always being brought out right before like the hounds of shadow eat them or something dark. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get them, but I don't really I do, care. Oh, to get I don't them. get them in the slightest. They're like the one ascended so far that I'm like, what the? What? And also, they what? are they like everyone seems real interested in them, and I don't know why they put their hand in the fire by like bringing Perrin back and getting that coin to Crocus. Like I, they must be playing some the, like the longest of cons, which I'm sure we will learn more about. Good luck, bad luck. They they really tried, but they got their hands burnt. You know. Yeah. Alrighty, let's keep things going. Chapter 24 Crocus is magically repelled from entering Baruch's estate. Rather, he is thrown into the streets, where he watches Anamander Rake and the Demon Lord battle. Dragdemper meets the Galane Lord's axe, and the demon taunts Anamander. 
Animander slays the demon, but is heavily wounded. The Son of Darkness says Crocus must warn Baruch. Vorkan breaks through the magical protections of the state and reaches Baruch. Vorkan battles with Darodan, Baruch, and the Tisti Andy, Sarak. After a bloody exchange, Crocus stands in the doorway, carrying two bricks, striking Vorkan with them. The Bridgeburners have returned to their hideaway and speak of their plans. Mallet has freed some of Absalar's memories, but within her, Cotillion's memories and skills lie in pieces. Whiskey Jack calls High Fist Dujek to find out what to do. The adjunct is dead, they say, and Dujek explains that Tashrin is in a coma. Seven cities nears rebellions, the second army has been outlawed by the Empress, and Dujek ordered for execution. The city of Pale is about to fall, and Caladan Brood marches south. Dujek plans to parlay. Whiskey Jack is promoted to second in command, and the bridge burners will be flown out of Darugistan. After receiving all this news, Captain Perrin offers the others to walk. Most of the soldiers agree to stay, however, Kalam and Fiddler are going to escort Absalar back to her home on Idkokan. Ralak waits at the Azath as a wounded Vorkan finally finds him. She is being chased by the Tistiandi. Both assassins are drawn into the Azath house. The Tistiandi Korlak finds the Azath and decides to leave them be inside of it. Kruppa and Marilio watch as Moonspawn heads south, away from Darugistan. Crocus arrives, worried about Absalar and the Empire. Kruppa eases the boy's worry and begins to tell him a story beginning where all good stories begin with Kruppa. Final chapter of the book. Here we are. We did it. Yeah. I never, ever, ever thought I would be here. Here we are. Josh. Yes. Uh, we see Crocus thrown into the street, and he watches Animanda Rake and the Demon Lord battle. What did you think of this battle compared to uh, the Tyrant and the Dragons and then the Bridgeburners and the Tyrant? Again, I So... Both were over relatively quickly. This one was obviously more drawn out. And I actually really like the idea of like, like, okay, so if you've ever seen Dragon Ball, when two opponents are really evenly matched, the fights take 15 episodes, right? Yeah. But I really like that in this series and in some, I would say, more contemporary fantasy series, they've gone the opposite direction where when two enemies are like really equal, it's it's incredibly deadly and over in basically one or two moves. And I kind of felt that here, you know, like yeah. Animator Rake got that advantage by, you know, attacking from above. And then it's like that, you know, the fight probably lasted all of a minute and a half. And it came down to like they both launched themselves at each other and Animator Rake was like a little bit faster and stabbed the demon through the tart, you know? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I, I, I found it, I found this, I, f I was kind of mad that I was much more satisfied with this fight, given that I gave no shits about this demon lord. I agree. This is the fight I think is most satisfying for me in the book. Yeah. It was cool. I agree. Well, this is the second most satisfying fight to me. The most satisfying fi fight to me is when Crocus the Eternal Dipshit <laughs> takes out the high mage assassin leader with a pair of bricks. Moments and moments after that said mage slaughters both another high mage and a Tisty Andy. And a Tisty Andy. Yeah, and From is about downtown. to kill Baruch and then gets hit by two 
bricks. But she was a little softened up before time, yeah, you know, and then Brooks yeah. comes in with the brick. Flips um, his coin. You know what they say, you know what they say about Vorkan? She's weak to bricks. She's a brick. House. House. Thank you. I, I don't know if the joke adds up there. Do you know what I mean? She gets hit by bricks. She's in the Azath. House. <gasps> there it is. There it is. See, I thought that was. Um, she got hit in, by in bricks. <laughs> Baba, ouch. Oh, there, there it is. Go. There it is. That was better. Guys. Um, <laughs> in, in, <laughs> let's move on. India, unless unless you have any big brick thoughts, we might as well uh, mention that Darodan is a Darodin is a character at the end of this book. She's been in the last few chapters, and we have yet to mention the witch. She's super high. Um, oh, she died, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, and she, I don't think she, she like. Oh no, 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 no! He brought her back. He brought her back. He brought her oh, back. Oh yeah. yeah. He did. She gets poisoned, but then she. Oh, he has yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, um, sorry, sorry. Is she like um, straight smoking weed? Because they're, they're like she pulls out her water pipe and puts more leaves in it. Hey, you don't know. Yeah, I'm not, it's, I'm not, it's I'm magic. Not, I'm not here to judge. No, yeah. What about her? She's she's cool. She I don't know. What has she done? What's her standout moment? Why does she have like a slave that walks around with her servants? Yeah, I don't know. She's she's just around. What's she's her point? Witch. Why do we talk about why why? What does she do for us? I don't know. She was just in the last four chapters. I thought I at least should mention her. Oh, yeah. And we've done that. Next. Let's leave her at that. <laughs> All righty. Here, India, let me offer you this be- better question. Then we we witnessed this conversation between Dujak and Whiskey Jack, and we receive a litany of news Ooh. from around the continent Ooh, and the world. Litany. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. A- any thoughts about the new status quo of the outlawed bridge burn, uh, the outlawed second army, and the bridge burners leaving Darujistan? We are moving up. We are getting better. We are every day just you know raising. The bar, setting the bar. Whiskey Jack, number two. Parent, number two. Number two. Parent, leader. What a, Captain. Captain, he's not dead now. Mm-mm. He, with his new Ototero sword, is go. I just have it, no words. And then those who want to leave, clean slate, you're free. But none, they're all staying. They're in it. But they're for, in it, they're, except for- They're in it to win it. Well, aren't Kalam and somebody else going? Yeah, Kalam and Fiddler are not. They're, but they're, they're, in, they're, they're in it in their heart. We'll, you know? we'll be back. We swear. We're just going to take <laughs> sorry all the way back to eat Kokan. Yeah. yeah. Well, we swear we we'll be back a... right after that. I got to go out for cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> but yeah, no, that was um, some interesting stuff. They, they, really, they really did the damn thing, though. Um, proud of my boys. Well, they're really Josh's boys. They're not my boys. But I don't know yeah, if I'd say, I said I was pretty hard against the Bridge Burners for a while. I don't know. I don't think I can call them my boys. Yeah, you call them your boys a lot. You've I called them you your call boys them like your boys six all times. the time. Listen, whose boys are anyone's when you really get down to it? That's true. Whoa, well, Josh. <laughs> yeah. Pretty true. The only Josh, what would what, you think of this uh, big uh, info dump? I mean, listen, man. I don't know. I'm trying to make a bone zone reference because they use the bones, and it's just not happening. Yeah. <sighs> I don't you can't know. go to the bone zone every time. Yeah, yeah, you, you can't always go to the bone zone. You can't zone. force it. You can't My heart's breaking. You know. I know. Um, I don't know. Uh, Dujek is. I just feel like I don't know if Dujek is being made out to be this big like figure only to get straight murdered pretty soon mm. here. No, I'm I very curious because he. I mean, listen. I'll say this. He literally called exactly what his enemy was going to do, which is impressive. And now he's like, so hopefully they'll understand what we're doing. They'll just let me leave. And I'm like, I don't. That one I don't know. <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't feel great. 
I'm predicting they're really chill. But we'll see, I um, guess. Suppose so. What do you, uh, what do y'all, well, oh, 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 I do want to say, I was very excited that the two who are going are Kalam and Fiddler. Yeah. Because this whole time, like, we get, we know a lot about Kalam, we know a lot about Quick Ben, and, and, you know, then you got, like, Trots and Fiddler and Mallet and Hedge. And we're getting a bit with Mallet because he heals, and a bit with Trots because he's a Bargas. Fiddler and, and Hedge, I couldn't, I don't know if there's a single difference between them. You're so literally saying all these things, and I have no idea what you're saying. I feel really impressed with myself that I got all these names, TBH. But anyway, I'm glad that Fiddler's going in the hopes that we're going to get a little more Fiddler exposition. But my real prediction is he's going to, like, very quickly die. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I, I actually want to get to predictions in a sec um, and talk a little bit more about the ending. Um, but before we do, India, Ralik is waiting on the bush uh, as a patient young boy and uh, Vorkan returns and both of them go inside the Azad house. Um, and that is the last we see of them. Yeah, you know, what the fuck? What the f- I don't know. They're, they, uh, is, are they gonna turn? I don't know. Will they turn into something? Is that, what, what does the house do? The house is filled with power, I would assume. What well, does they- Yes, the house is filled with power. Well, and the, the big thing, which India, I'm going to, I'm gonna say this. If I didn't have the book with an appendix ready to go, I would not have gotten, I would not have gotten the big drop they do. But like, we, we know nothing about this except they mention the dead house which is the name of the next book, Deadhouse Gates. And they mentioned the Deadhouse in Malice City, and they say Kellen Vad and Dancer. And I was like, I'm pretty sure Dancer was uh, uh, the Empress before she became Lassim. And I looked it up, and I was like, oh, they definitely just mentioned the two people who founded the no, Empire. Dancer's a um, who's reindeer. Dancer? Wait, who, from... dancer? Who's Dancer? Who's, am I right? He's a reindeer. Dancer, one at a time. Uh, <laughs> D- yeah, Dancer is Emperor's uh, the the former Emperor Kellenved's right hand man. Oh, okay, sorry, that's uh, what I meant. So like I, but yeah, not not Lassine, Sorry, but I knew that Dancer was like the right hand man. And Ke- yeah, so so all I know is that yeah, the last Sir, Sir Surly used to serve the Emperor, and then she became. Yes, yeah, sorry, I was wrong about that. But yeah, like the they mentioned the two pe- the last two people anyone or the two last important people to go into a dead house literally formed the Malazan Empire. So into it yeah. as a so I was like that's that means <sighs> I mean I do not believe we have seen the last of Vorkin and Ralik Nan. Well, I just thought maybe they were gonna live in it. No, just have a new Hamlet. You know, I d- I've got bad news. I don't think that house is gonna be the greatest thing. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's gonna be just all fun times. Okay, well, all right. Before we get to predictions, are uh, are the two of you with uh, the chapter the book the book before the epilogue goes out on Kruppa telling the story? Um, uh, are are either of you looking forward to seeing more Kruppa in the future? Yeah, I actually am now that he's not like a fucking bumbling idiot and he actually like, has substance and I know that he, I know his worth and I'm, I'm excited to see his potential. No. Oh, all right. But for a good no. reason, I think Kruppa is useful because he is the eel. And I worry that if Kruppa was to no longer be in Darugistan, I feel like he would become a much less interesting character to me. So if he is in the story in Darugistan pulling strings, I'm very into it. But that is the only scenario in which I think Kruppa is is great. Alrighty. Interesting to hear that. And I'm going to ask you to make a few more predictions. But before you do, we're getting near the end of this very, lo- very big episode. Um, Some and, would uh, say... Too big. Maybe One too of big. Ten very big. 
books. Yes, that is. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, so listen, uh, the I, what, what we're going to try and ha- have people try and write in and, and talk a little bit about the show, uh, talk a little about their experience reading Gardens of the Moon. And then before we move on to talking about Dead House Gates, we're probably going to release. I think the idea is we're going to release two episodes, one where the three of us are going to talk about Gardens of the Moon, our thoughts overall, and uh, just any other miscellaneous things and kind of respond to what other people say. And then we're, I think I'm going to try and record an episode in some way where I talk about the book in uh, with spoilers and in context of the whole series. So um, you'll, well, they'll probably be out soon, but um, we're still triggering, trying to figure out the right way to do them. Now, before we go, uh, I just wanted to have uh, the epilogue occurs and I won't summarize it here, but we see uh, two things, really. We see the bridge burners watching Moonspawn leave south, Perrin thinking of Tattersail, and uh, the bridge burners uh, leaving the city to go rejoin the second army, or they're, I actually think they're headed to the plains. Um, so, Josh, any predictions on what is going to happen on the continent of Genabacus? That's the continent we're on, yeah? Yes, that's this continent. Okay. Ooh, okay. Well, first off, Quick Ben says some shady shit in the epilogue that lets us know that all is that there are plans within plans within plans, as has been yes. the case of this entire fucking book, I guess. So I shouldn't be shocked. True. Huh. I I really I don't know. I mean, Caladan Brood is a big player that we know very little about. Other than yeah, there's one scene with other him. other than like part of me thinks that he's actually maybe one of the people looking out for like the greater good, which we don't have a lot of in this book so far. So that's kind of gives me hope. I, I hope he doesn't murder all of the Malazans who are trying to create their own force. Mm. Oh, Peter's doing that. I know stuff, but I can't say stuff face. Um, I I honestly I honestly don't know. I I, I hope things go well for the bridge burners. Um. I don't know what's going to... Like, I'm very curious, if they get out of Pale, what the conquest, the reclamation, whatever they do with Darugistan. I I feel like we've played out a lot of what Darugistan has to offer in terms of dealing with Malazans. I really hope that if if it does come to it, it's kind of resolved in, like, a straightforward way. Mm. So, yeah. that's India, any predictions on what's going to happen on this continent with the bridge burners and the second army? Um, okay. So, starting this book, I assume that since it was a, like, a, a book, you, you have, like, your, your conflict, and then at the end you have your resolution. So we didn't have a resolution. As books do. As, as, as all books have a resolution. So I was expecting, like, this war to end and to go on to the next whatever impending, pending thing they have uh, coming up. However, that didn't happen. So, I expect, perhaps... To, I feel like we haven't really learned that much about Mal- the Malazan Empire. Like, I feel like we've been in Pale and we've been in Druidistan. We've under we've seen everything as a whole, but I don't think that we've really gone back and seen, like, the Empress and um learned really anything about her. So I feel like maybe, hopefully, there's a little more light shed on why she's such a psychopath. Additionally, they've introduced a lot of shit. So something else has to come to make, I feel like, the bridge burners and... Gattelbacchus, Gattelbacchus, I come yep. together to I I maybe to have another to go against another threat maybe I don't know mm. this is not my cup of tea and I'm just shooting in the dark yeah 
And before we uh, say goodbye and one other prediction, uh, India, what do you think? Uh, we kind of mentioned them earlier. Fiddler, Kalam, Absalar, and Crocus all are taking a boat to return Absalar back to Itkokan. No. Nope. Absalar is going to go be one of the water people that she was talking about before on that moon. I don't, I just, something's happening. She's, go, she's going to the moon. She's going, Absalar is going to the moon to be a water person in the garden. Uh, Josh, what do you think? Is she going to the moon or are they going to make it to Itkokan? I don't know, but I, the only, my problem, like if they make it to Itkokan, she's just going to find like a super destroyed village that it Exactly. Exists. What is there? Yeah. But I bet they'll get into all sorts of hijinks. Yeah. Well, <laughs> certainly. Well, listen, uh, this isn't the end of it. We're, we're definitely going to have one more episode where we talk about Gardens of the Moon. And then we're going to move on to talking about Deadhouse Gates. We'll have AJ cutting something then. But um, thanks for listening. I mean, it's a pretty long episode, probably. If you made it to the end, you get a cookie. Send your address. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> yes, I'll, I'll designate India the, the chairman of the cookie committee. So... Anyway, alrighty. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, goodbye. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. I'm tired. Hey, everybody. Producer AJ here again. Thank you so much for listening to our show, especially this monster of an episode. We just passed 5,000 total listens across every episode, which is absolutely blown us all away, uh, and we cannot thank you enough. We also, of course, want to extend our thanks to Dan Gesrick for making our wonderful logo. You can follow him on Twitter, at Dan Gesrick, for the hottest Philadelphia 76ers throwback jersey takes. And, of course, all the music for the show comes from Amaranthan's album, Simulant Rain, which you can find on Bandcamp.com. Links to their pages will be in the show notes, and 10 Very Big Books will be back in in two weeks on August 16th with the Gardens of the Moon wrap-up show where the trio will be expressing their thoughts on Malazan so far as well as responding to some of your comments, tweets, and emails, and so much more. That's all for me. Until next time, thanks so much for listening.